Well, hello and welcome again to the fellow cast. And I'm in my office or the studio, as we would love to call it, uh, with Pastor Garth again. And today we are getting into the nitty gritty of Exodus chapter 3 and going onward. And if I am correct, we are going to be looking at the, the burning bush. And then you say there's that incident where God wants to kill Moses. Oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> <laughs> May God have grace for us. It's really, it's an interesting thing that we're about to look at over here. Yeah. I'm excited to see where it's going to go. Let's jump into it, man. So we've just kicked off with Exodus, and it's a whole new chapter in the story, isn't it? We've, yeah. we've dealt with a family before, and the family became larger, 70 in total. And now suddenly coming into Exodus, we're, we've got a nation. And um, for the first time, we've got a leader that God's going to raise up to lead a nation. We haven't seen that before in the mm. Bible up until mm. this point. So it really is a very different kind of look um, at God's work on the face of the earth. Yes. So if you want to look at it this way, in Genesis, God says, um, I'm working with a man, and this man is going to be a blessing to the whole earth. And then he says, I'm working with a family. Mm. Out of this family, I'm going to bless the whole earth. And now suddenly we've got a nation. And yeah. through this nation, he's going to bless the whole earth. But you've listened to my phrasing over there. It ends with, it's for the whole earth. Yes. Um, so God's working here for the whole earth. Yeah. And he's about to raise up a name for himself. He's going to make a name for himself in the whole earth in what he's about to do here. Yeah. So that later on, um, in the story time sessions at the moment, we've just gone through the book of Judges. And you listen to those nations speaking to one another. At one stage, the Philistines cry out because God came into the camp of the Israelites. And he says, oh man, this is the God yeah. who worked wonders in Egypt, who brought the 10 plagues on them. I mean, they remember it yeah. <laughs> a couple of hundred of years later. Yeah, wow. Yeah. All right, so that's where we are in the story now. Um, Moses is now about 80 years old uh, in chapter 3. So at, at the age of 40, he ran away for his life because Pharaoh wanted to kill him because he murdered one of his soldiers. And um, now, 40 years later, a shepherd in the desert has this encounter with God. Yeah. It's interesting. So he's out there looking after the flock, and um, suddenly he sees a, a, a burning bush which I understand from, from some writings that it's not a strange thing. Uh, they get dry, and through a dew drop or something, or just out of the heat of the day, this bush can ignite. Um, <laughs> but he's drawn to it because he's thinking, this thing is not burning out. Yeah. What's happening? And so he walks over to the bush, uh, expecting what? I mean... <laughs> Uh, it's a it's a different kind of bush. It's a, maybe a greener bush. It's not as dry. Yeah. I mean, what is he expecting? And then suddenly, this voice speaks to him from out of the bush. And I uh, heard the joke before. I don't know if we need to go to that joke, but it's a good joke. Go for it. I think we can do with some comedy. <laughs> Moses is in heaven and um, President Bush comes in at the gate and he starts speaking to him. And Moses ducks down. He says, what's up? He says, the last time a bush spoke to me, I was stuck in the desert with a nation for 40 years. <laughs> Thanks for laughing. My kids don't appreciate my jokes. And here God speaks to him through this bush. And the first words he tells him is, um, Moses, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And he also mm. says to him, don't come any closer. So he's in this 
close proximity to God, but God being holy says, watch out. You know, this is a different kind of space that you're entering into. And uh, we know that story so well. But man, oh man, put yourself in the man's shoes. Mm, uh, Out in the desert alone looking after a flock and you've got this encounter that you'd have no words to describe. Mm. Um, And right from the word go, God tells him what is he about to do with Moses. He says, um, I'm going to send you back to Egypt because I've heard the cries of my people. And I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And um, from there on, if you, in your Bible, start making a note. Because um, Moses is very hesitant to obey God. Um, and the first thing he's saying is, well, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? It's verse 11. It sounds like just a really humble state Mm. right he recognizes that he's not a great man which is a good place to be and um later on in the scriptures we're going to see that um, moses is called the humblest man who ever lived sure um so definitely it's to his credit god is gracious and he says to him well i'll be with you and um this is the sign that I will do what I'm going to say to you. When you come out of Egypt with the Israelites, you will come and worship me at this mountain. So the very place where he is meeting with God is going to be Mount Sinai, where that glory cloud of God in mm. thunder and lightning comes down, and it looks like the whole mountain is burning. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be the place where he meets with God. Um, and we must remember that when we read forward. When they get to that mountain and the glory of God comes down, what is Moses experiencing? The first time, it was just a bush burning. Mm. <laughs> now the nation is standing at the foot of the mountain with a perimeter around it, and it looks to them like the entire mountain is on fire. Sure. It's like yeah. <laughs> exponentially greater <laughs> from the experience that he had with yeah. God. Um, and then Moses says, but uh, what if I get to them and they ask me, what is his name? Now, that's a strange thing, except that the Egyptians literally have hundreds of gods. Um, They worship the frogs. Everything that the ten plagues are going to come to, we're going to speak about this a few times still, Valdo, because um, it's really important to recognize that God is making war against the gods of the Egyptians. He's showing, I'm God over the Nile that you worship. I'm God over the sun Ra that you worship. I'm God over the frogs. So... It's very logical for them to ask, what's his name? Yeah. Because they've got Seth and they've got Ra and all of these different gods. And God's response to it then is also very significant that he doesn't say, it's Jack or Tom or whatever name you want to throw out. It's a different kind of name which says, um, I am has sent me to you. I am who I am. How does your Bible say that? It's the same. It says, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. I am who I am. Mm. So take that from a from a nation that worships every God that has a name. Mm. And this one is, I am who I am. It's a very different kind of name yeah. that immediately tells you it's, it's over the rest. Mm. Um, I cannot describe him. You cannot encapsulate him in a name. Mm. Um, I would often take it for myself, meaning, God, you are... Whatever I need, when I need it, you are my all in all. Yeah, something yeah. like that. I often I, I've thought about this as well because I think we've had the discussion before, where you know in, in the 
uh, earlier parts of the Bible, there wasn't a, God wasn't known as he is known to us, if I could put it that yes. way. So that, it's also a relevant question in that sense. Like, what what is your name? Who's talking to me? Yeah. Where we've got the whole scriptures as reference. Yeah. Um, and to 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 go, well, God's, what he does, I am. His nature reveals who he is. Ah, so, yes. So I'm, Very good. L- that's how I always think about it in terms of healing or whatever he displays is a is a um displays his nature so I'm true to who i am, I am yeah. what, what you see is what you get sort of yeah that's <laughs> how i kind of yeah. see it so when i experience peace god is peace i yes. am peace um yeah just for me it gives me some handles to, yes. to kind of make Very that good more yeah. understandable which also is just beautiful to, it, it invites you in to say come experience me yeah. come and know me yeah yeah and through his nature beautiful. you find him yeah. so then he says, um, uh, God also said, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. So the Israelites will remember this is the God who worked with our family before. This is the God who gave Abraham the promise of our land, all of those things. Yeah. Um, who spoke to Jacob before we went into this land, promising us that we'll go out. This yeah. is the God. Um, and then... Uh, he says, the elders, verse 18, the elders will listen to you uh, when you go to them. So God knows that they've got the faith. Why? Because they've been crying out to God mm. and God heard their cries and this is in reply to it. Um, and then he says, but Pharaoh will not. Pharaoh will not listen to you. And I know that. And therefore I will perform wonders in Egypt and I will demonstrate myself to him. To be God. Mm. Now we have to remember that Pharaoh himself is worshipped as God in Egypt. So for a God of the Israelites to come and command him and say, let my people go. He's listening to it saying, really? I am God. I am God of Egypt. Um, So he's got that arrogant, arrogant heart. Now, very interesting when the scriptures are going to start to say that uh, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. What do you do with that, Valdi? I've I've wrestled with that before. <laughs> we uh, should. It's difficult. Yeah, I've honestly wrestled with that quite a bit. But I, I always see it in the. You have to take what happens before. You have to yes. consider what happens before. How many times he reached out to say, "Change your ways. Do this. Do that." Giving him an opportunity. Yes. So you always see mercy and you always see grace leading up to those moments where, well. Yeah. I mean, we even read it in the New Testament. You would be handed over to Satan. Yes. If you keep on sinning, so that resisting. Maybe, yeah. maybe eventually, by being handed over to Satan, you might change. Yeah. Your ways. No, it's very true. A heart does not get hard in a day. No. Um, it's as choice after choice after choice, and then God gives him over to the hardening of his heart. Yes. And says, "All right, I'm going to use your heart hard." To make my name glorious, mm. even in the midst of this, yeah. yeah. So, so in essence, so in essence, we're not saying that God hardened, made His heart hard. It was the it was a result of His choices and actions. Am I am I am I? Listen? Yes. Well, the scriptures does say yes. God hardened His heart. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, to read it this way, He chose, He chose, He chose, yeah. and God says, "I'm honoring your choice." Yeah. And therefore, I will allow your heart to be hard, to yeah. continue to be hard, even throughout this hardship that you're about sure, to yes. endure. Difficult stuff to think about. Well, it's, if it's yeah. in the Bible, it's true. Yes, absolutely. So, 
Then, um, verse 21, and I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed towards this people. Now, we have to remember the promise that God gave to Jacob as he entered in and to Abram way back in Genesis that he already told them, and when they come out, they will come out with the wealth of Egypt. Mm. In other words, this entire story, this is just what I want to hammer in. This entire story of the Exodus for us has been prophesied. The timing of it, the way it's going to take place, all of these things has been prophesied. Mm. God already spoke it before he did it. Um, so when we get to the end of the 10th plague and they leave with the wealth of Egypt and they go out to build a tabernacle in the desert with all the gold and the precious materials and everything that they've had, that's been God's plan all along. Yeah. Um, it's glorious. Yeah. Okay? yeah. And, and again, man, think about what it means for us that's been saved out of slavery. Mm. And we plunder Egypt yeah. on our way out. Um, we don't go naked. Yeah. <laughs> God gets glory. Yeah. And he is worshipped as the God that saves us. And we worship him for the things that he saves yeah, us out of. Yeah. Wow. It's beautiful. Going into chapter 24 then, Moses, oh, ch chapter 4, Four, Moses yeah. continues to come up with excuses. And then he says, um, but what if they do not believe me? What if they say the Lord did not appear to you? And then this interesting phrase, God says, Moses, what is in your hand? I don't know how that strikes <laughs> you in a conversation with God. Yeah, well, he uh, knows. Yeah, if you would say to God, but, you know, God, um, you tell me to go and lay my hand on the sick. Uh, but why have I come there? And they say, but God did not send me. Mm. And God says, well, Voldu, what's in your hand? Mm. I, I think it's for me such a, uh, such a probing question. Uh, personally, if God sends me out to do anything and then he asks on my excuse, what's in your hand? Yeah. In other words, he's not sending me empty-handed. Yeah. He's sending me equipped with what I need. Sure. And for Moses, it just looked like a staff until God tell him, throw it down. Yeah. <laughs> in other words, don't let it be in your hand anyway. See what it does in my hand. Yeah. Uh, and he chucks it onto the ground. It turns into a snake. This ordinary stick that this shepherd have carried around probably for 40 years. Mm. Maybe took a new one somewhere <laughs> along the way, but it's just a shepherd stick. Yeah. And suddenly, this man witnesses, apart from the burning bush, his first miracle yeah. taking place out of his hands. Sure. And then the faith, when God tells him, all right, now take that thing's tail and pick it up again. Now throwing it down is one thing. Yeah. Picking it up, that's a very different thing. Yeah. Eh? Well, he obeys, picks it up, turns into a snake again. And God says, well, if they don't believe when you show them this first sign, in other words, what, what's the argument again? He says, God, what if they don't believe you sent me? Mm. These are signs to prove that you sent me. If they don't believe after the first sign, then perform this sign. Take your hand, Moses, and put it into your cloak. He puts it in, and I think probably with a bit of dread, because when he just chucked down his stick, yeah, it's a snake. I mean, what's <laughs> going to happen now? Yeah. So he puts his hand in takes it out and sure enough maybe even a bigger shock than the first one yeah. because you can run from a snake but you cannot run from a leprous hand yeah. and his hand is covered with leprosy and then God says well put it back into your cloak take it out and he takes it out and it's healed and just the relief that must have yeah. come <laughs> over him you know and then God says interestingly he says if they don't believe after the second sign perform this third sign Take some water out of the Nile and pour it out on the ground and it will turn into blood. 
Now, what's interesting here is he's not taking water out of the Nile at that moment in God's presence and pouring it out on the ground. Mm. But he's seen enough now to believe that if God's going to say it, okay, this God, it's fine. I can do that. Um, I've seen enough. There's so much in these three encounters. And what's interesting... God's just establishing his faith. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, The first time it's easy, you know, chuck it down. Yeah, because you don't know, well, it's going to bounce off the ground or something. Maybe. Yeah. Um, well, what I want to say is interesting when you go forward, when he's in front of Pharaoh at the end of the day, he didn't have to do any of these signs. Um, oh, well, see just now. But when he gets in front of Pharaoh, he chucks the stick down and it eats up the snake of the, of the other guys, right, yeah. of the sorcerers. And then he picks it up again. So they, without their staffs with which they performed the miracle, but he never did the second sign in their presence. It never tells us that he actually did the hand leprous yeah. thing. I wonder if he acted in obedience on all three of them in a row, if the encounter would have been different. Mm. And anyway, <laughs> it's sort of like a signed line in between the in between the lines that I'm wondering. Yeah. Funny enough, though, he experiences these great things in God's presence. And yet, verse 10, he says, Pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent. I'm not a good speaker. He's just seen these miracles. And still the man is hesitant. Now, don't judge him too harshly because that's me. That's you, Valdo. Mm. Eh? I mean, God asks us to step out in faith after things. I mean, we've seen some great stuff. Yeah. And yet, it's a step of faith every time. And you sort of question your own yeah. ability in the spirit. God is still gracious with him. And God says to him, well, Moses, um, who made the human tongue? <laughs> who created it? Who enables you to hear or to speak? Who makes deaf? Who makes mute? It all points to God, right? Mm. It says, now, verse 12, now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. I'm mean, the same God who's speaking from a burning bush stole this whole conversation. And these signs and wonders, he's saying, trust me. Mm. And yet, verse 13, Moses says, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. That's sad. Mm. At the beginning, you can say it's humility. But what is this? It's fear. It's fear. It's fear. It's It's disobedience. It's lack of faith. Um, Or even... On yeah. the back of how you've explained everything leading up to this, mm. it is difficult to go, why would you still avoid? What's yeah. the fear there? Why would you not yeah. trust yeah. God? Yeah. But again, yeah, and it's really sad. And then the grace of God after the statement, verse 14, that we have to take account, the Lord's anger burned against Moses so up until this point he's gracious Mm. and he's going to continue to be gracious but it's just interesting that scripture shows us listen Moses you're pushing this too far I expect obedience I've I've been kind I've shown you I've encouraged you um, and you still resist and then he says to him all right I will I will allow Aaron to be the prophet as if you're God onto Pharaoh. It's a, it's an interesting way in which yeah. God's saying this. Um, 
he's laying it out later in this meeting with Pharaoh that he says to him, I will make you as God unto Pharaoh, and Aaron will be your prophet. Isn't that interesting? Mm. I remember um, Rob once had this uh, Bible study meeting. I think many of us in the church would have heard the testimony. We've actually had it as part of a play as well. Um, where there was a guy sitting in the, uh, in the meeting. Uh, he had a knee that needed an operation, needed mm. to be fixed up. And he had incredible pain, but he never spoke to anybody about it. Um, because every now and again, his knee will just get stuck and it would really hurt. And then Rob sat in the meeting. It was an alpha meeting and there was a lot of people in the room. And he just looked at the guy and he said to him, um, out of a word of knowledge, how's your knee? We asked, well, he never told Rob about this knee. And he said, man, it's, it's quite in pain. He says, all right. Then Rob told, told the lady sitting next to him, take your hand, put it on the guy's knee, and pray for it. So in that scene, it's like um, Rob is Moses hearing from God, yes. giving the instruction to somebody else who did not hear from God. So that person is just act, acting in absolute obedience. Mm. Rob is the guy that has the faith, and but this person is willing to be obedient on Rob's faith, and the miracle takes place. Sure. It's Jesus working, right? Yeah. So that's sort of the interaction that's going to be with Pharaoh now. Moses hears from God. Moses gives the instruction to his brother Aaron. Aaron acts just in absolute faith that I'm sure Moses heard right. Yeah. This is crazy. But I'm sure Moses heard right. Yeah. And then the miracle takes place. Sure. Um, it, it speaks to me a lot about San Francisco. I'm serving in, in healing rooms. You or Karina get a prophetic word. God's about to do this. Mm. How much do I trust that you heard God? Mm. If I trust implicitly that you hear God, then I will see miracles happen, even if I did not hear God. Even if you didn't have the faith for it, yeah. Yeah, if we in the body of Christ can cultivate that kind of culture, sure. that man, I'll step out in faith. And I, and I think, again, if you look at Jesus and him sending out the disciples, it's very much the same thing because Jesus hears from the Father. Yes. The disciples get to witness all of those miracles. And then eventually he says, well, now you go and do it on yeah. a word. Yeah. And he says, you go and do it. And they do it. Yes. Um, not without... They uh, ups and downs, but again, they have to act on the command of Jesus to go do it. So yes. there's a, I guess there's another example of that for us. Absolutely. Where we yeah. are today. Yeah. yeah. Well, then uh, God says to him, I'm already sending Aaron to you. Hmm. So even while they're having this conversation, it says, I'm sending Aaron to you. Wow. Uh, so he's not called off God by Moses' unwillingness yeah. to obey. He's um, still a bit angry, though. But <laughs> he is. He, he expected more from Moses. Yeah, he was yeah. giving him a chance. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, again, we can put ourselves there. But then a very interesting occasion, right? Um, I'm going to read it word for word because there's no other way to say it. Verse 21 in chapter 4. The Lord said to Moses, When you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I've given you the power to do. Now, at this moment, he only knows about three, right? The snake, the hand, the blood. And he says, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says. Now listen to this line because it's important for where we're going. Israel is my firstborn son. 
And I told you, let my son go so that he may worship me. But you refuse to let him go, so I will kill your firstborn son. So what is that pointing to? It's pointing to the tenth plague, right? Mm. Where literally Pharaoh's firstborn will die, but also every other firstborn in the land. And the reason God gives is because you didn't want to let my firstborn go. Israel is my firstborn. Mm. So God has birthed a nation through Abraham. It's a miracle child, as Rob's been pointing out a few times to us. It's a miracle child. Mm. Um, this child should never have been born because the, the womb was already dead for Sarah. But then verse 24. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. What did your phrase say over there? On the trip at an overnight campsite, it happened that the Lord confronted him and sought to put him to death. Okay. Now, my NIV, I don't know if yours also have it, has got a note at the bottom on that word um, that says the Lord met Moses. It could be met him. Mm. Now, some of the translations will have a phrase at the bottom saying, it's uncertain whether it's Moses or whether it's Moses' firstborn son. And you'll hear just now why. Um, he was about to kill him, but Zipporah, which is Moses' wife, took a flint knife, cut off her son's foreskin, and touched Moses' feet with it. Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me, she said. So the Lord let him alone. At that time, she said, bridegroom of blood, referring to circumcision, and we've got no other statement about this again. <laughs> what happened there? Sure. So here's my take on it. Moses is on the way back to a spiritual battle. God is about to make war against the demons of Egypt. Mm. He's about to fight against their gods. And through the ten plagues, he's about to show, I'm greater than you. Uh, you will let Israel go. You will not keep my plans captive. And um, Moses hasn't acted in obedience in his own home yet. Possibly Abraham had the command. Yeah, he had the command all the way from um, Ishmael and Isaac. You have to circumcise your firstborn. Yeah. It has to take place on the eighth day. Yes. These boys are older already, right? Uh, that, that son of his should have been circumcised. So God is making it clear to Moses, listen, you're about to enter into a spiritual battle. Mm, sure. If you're not going to be obedient at home, you're going to be taken out. So I'm going to make sure you understand the seriousness of what's about to take place. Mm. Either obey or you're going to lose your life now. All right? Sure. And then Zipporah has the wisdom to recognize what Moses seemed to have forgotten by that time. And she said, all right, either, either this, the firstborn son is about to die or Moses is about to die. Whichever translation has it right, uh, God is bringing the firstborn son to be circumcised. Yes. He's getting Moses to obey in his house what God have told him to do. Yeah. And now he can go and obey on the battlefield for the sake of a nation. Mm. Yeah. Sure. That's powerful. Yeah. That's really powerful. I think the way I read it as well, it because mine says uh, that the Lord confronted him and sought to put him to death, um, which again leaves that open. Is it yeah. Moses or is it, his, is it his firstborn son? But the fact that she circumcises the son could, yeah. could well mean that, that he was about to, to kill the firstborn son as well. Um, yeah, could so, be. But it, I think the effect would be the same. In you it's would see God's seriousness about 
obey, obeying him. Yes, he needed to be circumcised. For whoever was about to die at that moment, the son needed to yeah. be circumcised. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which, just in closing, let's draw it back to our yeah. own lives. Um, I would love to do great things for God. Uh, I would love to touch a nation. I would love to reach the world. Uh, but obedience starts at home. Sure. And if I miss that, whatever other endeavor I'm out, it's going to fail. Mm. Yeah, just like God says about the elders and the deacons, are the house are, is the house in order? Yeah. Are things at home set right? Yes. Because if you cannot be trusted with your own house, how can God trust you with his house? He mm. says in Timothy and Titus. Okay. Um, I think it's that kind of thing that's happening over here with Moses. Mm. Mm. Such a great session, Garth. I've really enjoyed this one. It feels like there's so much packed into these two two chapters. I'm really um, looking forward to where it's about to go. But I would like for you again to just end for us in prayer, if you don't mind, especially Absolutely. on what you just mentioned at the end, that challenge for us, you know, that, that we look at ourselves first before mm. we want to reach outside of our homes and our personal lives. So thank Let's you so much for, for your time again today. Yeah. So, Father, we just trust your spirit to come and speak into our hearts, Lord. We want to obey. So come bring your spirit and remind us, even those things that we've put off and put off and put out, um, uh, things in our own life that we didn't want to deal with up until now. I pray your spirit, uh, by your grace, come and prompt us again in our hearts. Even as we listen to this, prompt us again that we will step out in obedience at home in the, small th of, in the smallest of things, seemingly insignificant. Mm. I pray that you will lead us in obedience there so that you can trust us with greater things. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And thank you again for your word and just for the applicableness of absolutely everything in Scripture on our lives. We praise you for this treasure in our hand and for how we get to know you and us through Scripture. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. And thank you again, Garth. And we look forward to our next session together.